Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies. If you're listening to this podcast as it comes out, which is December 1st of 2020, I'm excited to be a featured performer as well as a featured podcast at IndiePod's United Virtual Summit this year. The summit is currently going on from Sunday through Thursday of this week and has some great podcasts and performers. I'll be closing out the week with a comedy performance at 5 p.m. Eastern and Behind the Bits being streamed live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm excited to be talking to my friend Joel Byers about his efforts to help comedians learn and connect during the pandemic. You will need a ticket for both of these. A free ticket will get you a link to watch the podcast live stream, and a paid ticket will get you access to my stand-up set as well as all the other performances and workshops. Head over to IndiePodUnited.com for tickets and info on all the great content throughout this week. My guest today was the winner of the Dick Purton Comedy Showcase and was a blogger for the Huffington Post. He's the host of his own podcast, The Deft Waskin Show, and is a co-founder of a popular Twitter app called Hashtag Roundup. I mean, what more can you want out of a comic? It's Jeff Waskin. <laughs> Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I'm excited to talk to you. Scott, when I heard you wanted to talk to me, I cleared my schedule. So yeah. anybody who won the best interview award. Yeah. <laughs> and I got, I got a JPEG. I pass that up? I was, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that Great. they sent me a JPEG is just honor enough. The, just being nominated was cool and being in the finals was neat. Uh, but uh, I lobbied hard for the votes and nobody else did, obviously. So I won. So there you go. That's how I, that's how I feel. Not being nominated was just, it was just an honor. It's yeah. In itself. <laughs> First of all, where are you from, Jeff? Uh, suburb of Detroit. West okay. Bloomfield. So you're still you're still at where you're from, pretty much, right? I am at where I'm from. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I've done some comedy in Michigan. I've done uh, Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids. So uh, I haven't done Detroit though. I, yeah, I've done Kalamazoo. Once. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I Grand love Rapids Kalamazoo. is a beautiful city. I think I was there once for some comedy festival they had there. Yeah, yeah, Laugh, it's a uh, Laugh Fest or something. Uh huh. Yep. They've got uh, a lot of places to get beer. That's why I like it. So, yes. <laughs> so it's nice. Um, so let's talk about when you did your first stand-up act. When did you first do stand-up? I did my first stand-up. It was probably two thousand two. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say twelve, but then I was like, "Oh no, that's not right." Um, my daughter just turned eighteen, so it was just before she was born, and so. I, I did it as I took a class, a comedy writing class at Mark mm -hmm. Ridley's Comedy Castle. Okay. And then it was, but I didn't, I went the week before the big 
show because I wanted to do it before. So uh-huh. My actual first time was the week before the actual big seven minute, everyone came to see me type of thing. Cause I didn't want that to be the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good I was idea. On stage. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted <laughs> to have something under my belt. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a good idea. So, um, what prompted you to do that? Because I, I can see, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and folks, if you don't know what LinkedIn is, it's kind of Facebook for business people, but, uh, your LinkedIn profile shows that, you know, you're kind of a overachiever, big brain, bigger ideas. Uh, so you were obviously doing stuff before the standup. What prompted you to do that? Well, thank you. That's a great. <laughs> I appreciate that interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can quote you, me on that if you want. Thanks. Uh, you know, I was always funny at work, and I had one of my early entrepreneurial efforts was uh, I started one of the first web development companies in Michigan in the late nineties. Uh-huh. And Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle was one of the websites we did, and one of the pages on their website was comedy classes. So. Years later, when I was doing some consulting at uh, Quest Communications, the everyone was like, "You should take comedy. You should you should do stand up." And mm. so they kind of, I'm like, I'd already th- always thought about it, but I didn't know it was like a thing. I didn't, you know what I mean? And so I took the class and never never stopped doing it until COVID. <laughs> That's great. And so obviously, it kind of. Uh, after taking the class and doing those first couple performances, it kind of got in your blood pretty quick, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's something it's, it's addictive. You know, any comedian can tell you that it's once you start doing it, the thrill of being on stage and getting people to laugh, there's nothing better. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, this is kind of off book, but the fact that you're, um, kind of an entrepreneurial soul and you you create things do you feel like stand-up kind of gets the brain working to do other things and you feel like you do other things better yes okay (laughs) (laughs) well i think it's a it's a i think it gives me an advantage in a couple ways one one i'm not afraid to talk to anyone right when you're uh for those thinking about starting stand-up comedy, like when you're standing in front of 50, 100 people and they're not laughing and that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, talking to a CEO is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no doubt. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> when you've been through the fire of uh, 300 people looking at you, like you're like, what the hell are you doing on that stage? When you talk to like big shots, we're like, can you talk to a C level? You're like, yeah, I think I can handle yeah. that. <laughs> Because there is nothing worse than being on stage and no one's laughing. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. It also helps for your podcast, too, because you're not afraid to ask anybody to be on it. Because, I mean, the worst thing you're going to get is a no, and that's better than complete silence after a punchline. I think the benefit that I have, maybe not relevant on um, on the first few episodes, but I think my comfort level of doing this, of the podcast, and how I sound was probably fast forwarded based on the fact that I had so much experience on stage. Yeah. So I could turn into that person. You yeah. can see the difference between your mic and my mic. Mine's actually on a mic stand like I right. would have on stage. Yeah. And, and I did that on purpose because I wanted I wanted to feel like I was on stage when I was recording interviews or doing my podcast to put me into that mindset uh-huh. of being there. Well, I just I idea. didn't get that from the arm. Yeah. That's a good idea. I've actually, 
You yeah, I saw you have one in the back. I got the I, I got one here, but I just use that for when I do online comedy and uh, other stuff. But yeah, so that's that that's a neat idea. Um, so thinking about um your influences, obviously you had to like comedy before you started doing it. Who were some of the people who really thought made you think comedy's cool? Um, my early the, the the people that I loved early on were Steve Martin, Rodney Dangerfield. Dennis Miller, 80s Dennis Miller. Yeah. Okay. It's a very distinct difference. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And Saturday Night Live, Dennis, and then that stand-up period of Dennis Miller. I love Rita Rudner. Um, Joan, grew up with Joan Rivers. Gary Shandling was, was always on in my house because my parents liked them also. Uh-huh. So, and Bill Cosby. But this was before everyone. Right. It was okay to like Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's okay those, to still still like yeah. the art. You can sell you can separate the art from the artist, I think. Well, at the time we didn't know the uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know the impending issues. Right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um so thinking th- this is something I like to ask everybody simply because I'm a uh, I'm a voracious consumer of things that inspire me. So I like to ask everybody, what are you reading, listening to music that's going on in your life? What's, what's going on in your life media wise? It's inspiring you. Hmm. The new Bruce Springsteen album. There you great. go. Okay. Letters, yeah. letters to everybody. What is the name? Anyway, it's great. But uh, then also the documentary on Apple plus is great. I find myself reading books of people, that I'm about to interview. So I'm reading uh, a book on the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I just okay. read Billy Van Zant's book, Get in the Car, Jane, which is great. And, you know, so, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, if I were to look at other books that I've read, <laughs> um, oh, Hug Your Haters was a, was a good one that I read. Oh, okay. It was like, more on customer service on uh-huh. online, but nothing of interest, mostly business books is what I read. Yeah, yeah, I do the same. <laughs> yeah. But business books can be fun, too. Yeah, some are really good. Some are yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the last question on this is um, what, what would be your top three comedy albums or specials? <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a rough one with only 45 seconds left to go live um <laughs> my, <laughs> the, this uh, is a very loose very I'm, loose timeline we're good I'm, uh, I'm always bad with the very specifics um but i'll tell you the the bill dwyer one from a long time ago the mary ellen hooper one from a long time ago mm-hmm. these were comedy central specials those are two of the ones that really i remembered a lot and i'm trying to think um what other ones there were? I don't know. I like, I, I love Bill Burr. I mean, mm. it's in terms of recent comics, because that's usually the next question. But like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm trying to think like what, what comedy, Bill Cosby himself, there's nothing better than that. But again, right. I understand the controversy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those, those were great. Those were the ones that I, I kind of grew up on and, and, and really kind of cling to. Great. So it's cool that you mentioned Bill Dwyer because I saw him. Uh, it was one of the last shows I saw before uh, the pandemic hit. And uh, very good. You know, he's he's still an excellent comic. 
Oh, Bill Dwyer is great. Yeah. Bill, yeah. Yeah. It was, he was the first person I worked with who I'd seen as special. And I was like, oh my God, I get to work with someone who, who's special. I saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we uh, uh, get offline here to talk real, um, I wanted to talk about your podcast a little bit because I listened to a couple episodes before we got going, uh, before we started here. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Jeff Dwoskin show. Well, as you can see from the image, it's yeah. sarcasm to learn. No, it's, yeah. um, the Jeff Dwoskin show was basically my attempt to kind of just channel the creative energy once COVID hit. So uh-huh. I started it. I started conceptualizing it late March and putting everything together. And then I put out the first episodes at the end of May. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing it weekly ever since I released three at first. And so it was sort of my, originally I was going to do something years ago with social media, but <clears throat> you can tell I need to cough, but I don't want to cough. It's all right. It's cool. Um, no, I hate when people <laughs> cough on <laughs> I'm getting through it without a cough. It's like holding back a sneeze, but yeah. Um, but so I wanted, I was originally gonna do social media, but then, you know, cause I have such a strong social media background, but that wasn't, it wasn't lighting my fire. So it's sort of a combination between comedy trends, pop culture and social media. Mm. So I do a little social media thing. I do, uh, I do some bits up front. I don't go right into the interview like some do. And then, the interviews are all pre-recorded, so they're not happening live or anything like that. And then I focus on, you mentioned hashtag roundup at the end, I find a hashtag that we had done at some point that is relevant to something that maybe that happened in the show mm-hmm. and read off some tweets from there and then share those tweets on my Twitter page as well. But the interviews are, you know, it's, it's people that I want to talk to, you know, some right. actors, writers, comedians, mm-hmm. you know, so lots of, of fun people that I enjoy. And then, you know, my theory is, well, if you like what I like, you're going to love the Jeff Dawaski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I like, and I skew, you know, towards older pop culture. So a lot of it is some of it's nostalgia. I'm a big fan of comic cons and I love when we go, going to comic cons and meeting all the old celebrities or older celebrities and getting pictures with them and their autographs. And you can't see it, but like my whole wall is that. So uh-huh. I almost consider the Jeff Dawaskin show as my comic con dreams coming to life Yeah, where I get to actually then talk to these people. Right. And you know, so, you know, the, it varying lengths, some people talk for a long time and some uh, are not, but they're all really interesting stories which is is what I think is at the, it is at the core of everything. Yeah. And so and I love hearing them. So, you know, it's and then some of the comedian ones are a little different because the comedian interviews they they don't like to necessarily be interviewed. <laughs> it's it's more shtick back and forth, which I have a good time with too. So it's a little more kind of you're just going back and forth and maybe talking about some things that are a little more current. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I think your Bob Zaney interview is exactly the same length as my Bob Zaney interview. He, he cuts out right when he wants to, he's like, okay, gotta go. Well, we had agreed on a time ahead of time. Yeah. (laughs) The Bob Zaney interview is funny. If you listen to the whole thing, which I encourage all your listeners to listen to episode, my episode with Bob Zaney, but it's funny because I was trying to be respectful of the 30 minute time limit and so it is, it, it plays if you listen to it carefully and know it now that I'm saying what's going on, it's like the end of, um, 
Lord of the Rings or Return of the King, where there's like three endings. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, well, you know, because I was trying you know, to be respectful. Of it, and then it started back up again. And then yeah, I wound yeah. it back down. And I started it. And then it got started back up again. And so <laughs> yeah. when I was listening back to it, I'm like, there are three endings to this show. <laughs> but it's great because one of the funniest things that happened was in the third end. Right, right. <laughs> so it was like, um, it was fun. It was great. It's, it is nice to, you know, reach back to people who, uh, maybe wouldn't otherwise talk to me. Yeah. Um, you know, but when you have a podcast, it's another good reason to start a podcast. People. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You get to talk to the, some of your idols and, uh, Bob, Bob was one of mine. So that's great. Ken, uh, before we, uh, sign off here, uh, where can people find you on the internet uh, besides your 10 million Twitter followers? <laughs> um, Jeff Dewaskin show.com is the, or Jeff is funny.com is probably easier for most mm. people. They both go to the same place and that's the show website uh, where you can uh, join my mailing list, listen to any episode there. If you want, you can also jump and subscribe from there to, you know, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you like to listen, mm -hmm. definitely, uh, like, and, and subscribe both to my podcast and to Scott's behind the bits. So yeah, there you go. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and so do that. And then on Twitter and Instagram, the show is at Jeff Dewaskin show. And my personal is Big Macher, which if you make your way to <laughs> at Jeff Dewaskin Show, it's it's in the bio. Yeah. <laughs> I don't expect you to know how to spell that. <laughs> oh, that's great. One of the things I wanted to talk about right off the bat is um, the fact that you, I know that you pretty much started the stand-up as more of a hobby than anything but you got good at it because you're winning contests and getting noticed and stuff like that. How did that affect you as far as, did you ever say, Hey, I'm just going to put everything else down and be a comic or how, how did that make you feel knowing that you're pretty good? <laughs> um, well, it made me feel good, but it was frustrating because yeah. I didn't have anything that, would get me picked for Boston comedy festival, you know uh -huh. what I mean? Or anything like I never got picked for the festivals you uh -huh. know what I mean? or anything like that. I got picked once for one and I got there and I'm like, I couldn't figure out how, why I was there. I mean, it was not because I not funny, but it was just like, everybody seemed connected to somebody else. So, and I, I wasn't, and I was, it was just, it was just weird. You know what I mean? Mm. And, um, and so, it was frustrating. I mean, there were times where I thought, oh, maybe this will go somewhere, you know, but nobody, I, you know, it was hard too because I started later and I wasn't willing to work for nothing. And, mm. you know, when you talked about does your business, that my business acumen probably is why I didn't go anywhere because I didn't feel that anybody respected it. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, I don't mean everyone, but like, you know, if the club said do 10 minutes, I did 10 minutes. If they said do eight and a half, I did eight and a half. If they said be there 30 minutes early, I was there 30 minutes early. Mm -hmm. You know, I did everything. Yeah. But in this business, nobody gives a fuck. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, they'll, if you, you could have an entire weekend and then they decide, oh, we need to close for this weekend and you're screwed. They don't pay you. Yeah. 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 You know? 
And so, I mean, you booked your time. You you blocked my time. Mm. You didn't book me to actually do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the bonus. Yeah. Know, but, you know, that kind of thing. So Yeah. So when you I, actually when I talk like, about comedy, I, I kind of can get real serious. So it's like, I, I like I'm not funny a lot of times when I talk about comedy. No, which, and, and that's but, you know that's what this podcast is about because people who want to get in the comedy game or are at a certain level and they want to raise it up, they need to know what's ahead of them, and it's not all yuck yucks. It's I won't it, tell you who, but one of the people you interviewed did a set so bad in front of me uh-huh. once. It took like I thought like. <laughs> so like, I had to dig out. I, I've never had to. I still think about the hole I had to dig out. I saw uh, his name. It triggered me. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me when we're not recording. I'll tell you when I'm not recording. <laughs> no, nah, I don't want to tell you. He might be good now. So yeah, wanna... yeah. Well, a lot of them. A lot, a lot of them get better. So as far as the comedy is concerned in your life, do you feel like that? Um, obviously, you know after you said you did it all the way up until uh, the pandemic hit, but is it something that you're, you're always writing and you're always thinking about, or do you just uh, have stuff come to you and are, are you working on new stuff now? What's, what's it like for you? I, I kind of switched to the podcasting and mm-hmm. I've turned down gigs. I'm not ready. I'm not going to go back. Okay. You know what I mean, it's and not, I just, I don't, you know, the one, one of the, cl- I don't want I won't say this cause the club cleaned up and it's a friend of mine's club, but like, um, you know, he asked, Hey, you want to do a weekend? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not mm. ready to come back and breathe on someone else's a mic that someone was just breathing on. And they were open in one week and had to close back down. Yeah. An employee had COVID, you know, they're fine. They're back open again, but it's like, yeah, not for 200 fucking bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the other place, hey, would you want to open? And it was too bad because it was, it was someone I really wanted to work with. And, and then, but I, hey, I can't pay you, and I can only pay you two hundred dollars. It was normally three hundred. It's been three hundred for eighteen years. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I would work for free for you, but not to. I'm not paying two hundred. I'm not getting two hundred dollars to get COVID and lose my smell. Right. You know, yeah. No it's doubt. Not, I don't need it. You know. Yeah. So it's it's so the the podcast became the thing that, you know, I write bits. I don't just go right into the interview. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, yeah. And I don't, my interviews, um, well, if you listen to the Bob Zaney one, I, you know, I never know how to, comedians, you never know. You, it's a different kind of sparring. And so, you know, you, you can see that I, if you listen to that, you can tell, I mean, not maybe if you play it back in your head, like I, I started sparring a little bit or pushing back a little harder in a fun way towards the end of that, uh-huh. or the second half. Because yeah. I find, I realized what he wanted or what what would work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like I was interviewing somebody yesterday. He goes, you know, I realized, I, the guy goes, I realized I didn't let you jump in. And I'm like, I'm not interviewing you to hear me talk. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's that kind of thing. So Yeah, I always tell people when I do my editing, if I see too much stuff on my track and not enough on the guests, that means I failed. So that's a that's a big deal for me. So think, thinking about the podcast, because I, it's, it's funny because I listened to about a third of the Bob Zaney episode and it felt just like my last Bob Zaney episode. So I went to the Carl Gottlieb one and, um, what was it like to interview somebody who was such an obvious hero of yours? No, Carl, Carl was great. The difference with Carl was it was more of an interview than 
a kind of a reflection type thing. Right. Right. So mm. like he says in the interview, you know, it was a job. So yeah. when you or I fanboy over something, you know, we don't, we don't want to believe it was a job. Yeah. We don't want to believe that it was, the jerk was accidentally. You co-wrote the fucking jerk. Come on. Right. We don't want to believe that that was just <laughs> a happenstance. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you know, so that was, that was, you know, that was, you know, that, uh, but you know, but he was, he's a legend. So it's like, you know, you know, so, you know, it's, it was just kind of one of those things. So, yeah. um, but no, he was super nice and, I'd send him stuff after and he autographed it and sent it right back. And oh, he was, cool. He was, yeah, he was, and yeah, he was really cool. I mean, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite ones because he, he kind of pushed me a bit in terms of making sure I really kind of thought about what I was asking. Right. Because you know? I think a lot of times we do, we're, t- we're loose. We ask yeah. a loose question because we know the person will just start yapping. Right? Yeah. I'd love to talk to him again, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. cool. Cool. Yeah. I think he's on the list of uh people that are gonna end up on mine. So I just wanted I'm I'm listening to all of those first so that so that I can get ready. <laughs> you know, I he yeah, yeah. I, I that's what I do. I listen to other people's other people's mostly because I wanna see if I can go in a different direction. Yeah. Really. You know, so but he I mean he's He's interesting. He's old school and he's worked with these amazing people. And, you know, it was just, it was great. You know, I got, I got the couple things out about Jaws that I wanted to ask him, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, but we talked a lot more about his improv background. You know, the guy's just a funny guy. I mean, yeah. he came up with Steve Martin, Rob Reiner, Bob Einstein, that's uh, Super Dave Osborne. And, uh-huh. You know, just all the, he wrote for the Smothers Brothers. And yeah. it's like, it's insane, you know. You seem his, so his young. Degree. You seem so young to know that stuff. Well, I interviewed him. That's how I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not where I'm, the, the benefit of, uh, of podcasting is everyone thinks I look a lot younger than I do. Someone's yeah. like, someone's like, I have a friend. I'm going to send him your picture. See, you <laughs> can see what you're going to look like when you're 43. I'm like, dude, I'm way past 43. He's like, oh, then my friend must look like crap. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, that's great. Um, so let's get into the meat of what I wanted to, I think you're going to be a good teacher of this. Uh, so comedians, um, first off, uh, they do a lot of their own promotion. Uh, second, they all start a podcast. It seems to be the natural progression for them. And you very early on understood the benefits of social media and how you can turn that to your advantage. And um, the the Little Caesars stuff is, you know, that stuff of legend right there. And um, the, the fact that you did that is very important. And I, and I'm very glad in your podcast that you put, you put those, uh, tidbits of knowledge out, but let's talk about uh, a comedian who is, you know, they're, they're really wanting to get started. Maybe they started a podcast or something like that. What would you say would be the best first steps they could take as far as social media is concerned? Sure. Um, well, one is you, you kind of got to dip your toe into a few different areas, you know? So where I've had the most success personally on Twitter, it does, you know, I try hard on the other ones, you know, uh-huh. I've, I have personal success on Facebook. And by what I mean by that is my not my friend group. You know what I mean? Like I have, like, I'll say stuff and like, 
if I get political or, or be funny, um, the people I know will react to that. Mm. And, you know, on Instagram, I am, I, I try really hard. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's funny because I have another friend named Nate who goes on Twitter and does okay on Twitter, but then he takes a picture of that and he's a, he's amassed over 10,000 followers and, and, they, and he just puts a picture of his tweet <laughs> on Instagram and it freaking blows up. Yeah. It like blows up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so, um, I actually started, I, I had to redo all my kind of accounts just as I was starting to do the podcast. I like, you know, but I, I think you just have to kind of try. So if you were to focus on in, uh, Twitter for a second, which I think is, it should be the comedian's best friend, Twitter, mm. because it's words and it's edited words, right? right? It's short form words, which is, if you're not good at editing and short form words, you're probably, um, something you need to work on as a comedian. Right. But so it, it really kind of plays to our strengths mm. to be funny with very few words. So what I found very early on from comedians, and I started this way too, but I, if you look at my timeline or my, my page, it's not just me. You know what I mean? What I find is a lot of comedians and a lot of people also that say Twitter doesn't work for me. Nobody, everyone's doing so much better than me. It's like, well, because you're just dropping it on your page, right? And let's say you have a thousand followers. Let's just say you have a thousand followers, mm. right? So um, when you post something, right, uh, and you have a thousand followers, maybe 5% might see it, mm. might see it, right? So that's a thousand followers. That's 50 people might see it, mm. might, <laughs> right? Yeah. So when you get a like, or two, mm-hmm. you're kind of beating the odds. It doesn't yeah. feel good. It's like going to the, it's like it's like going to the slot, a nickel slot machine and putting in a nickel, and winning ten cents. You know, you if you you percentage wise did better there than you'll ever do in the real market. Yeah, <laughs> right. But it doesn't feel good because it's only ten cents. Yeah, you know what I mean. So on Twitter, it's about engaging, and it's which really is kind of the same on. Facebook and Instagram, I think, whereas you've got to find your community and then really engage and actively be a part of them. You have to like other people. You have to retweet things. If you're like, oh, I don't want to, my, I don't, I want people to come to my timeline and see how funny I am. Well, okay. Well, don't worry about that. Show them what you think is funny too, because you have to provide value. And sometimes the value isn't just your words. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be what other people are saying too. You know what I mean? If someone shares with you a recipe in real life that you then make the rest of your life, you never forgot who shared with you. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's little things like that that help. And frankly, when you put something out, you, not that it's a tit for tat type thing, but when you share other people's stuff, other people are more likely to share your stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, it's about either being selfish or not selfish. Think about that and just apply that to the real world. If someone's a selfish son of a bitch, you don't go out of your way to help them. Mm -hmm. If they're giving, then you, you go out of your way to help them, right. Right. Or engage with them or, Mm -hmm. or share something they did. It's a, it's a simple philosophy. It really is. Um, and and so that's, that's what it kind of comes down to. And Twitter is, I think the best for that. With hashtag roundup, what I found is the kind of the power of the hashtags. Now, people like talk about hashtags. Like, I don't mean I'm not talking about hashtags like 
people are talking about hashtags like when they go to Instagram. Oh, you got to use the right hashtags and yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. I, like what we do with hashtag roundup is we create moments. So like every hour and I encourage anyone to go grab the hashtag roundup app. It's on the app store. It's on Apple and Google. It's mm-hmm. free. It's free. I made it, but I gave it away for free. Mm-hmm. And and so every like hour or 90 minutes, there's a new hashtag that comes out. And I don't mean like Monday motivation. I mean like something fun, something like, um, let me look, something like, you know, odd jobs for Jason Voorhees. That's uh-huh. one that we just did, right? Or uh, when I need a moment of relief or cheer up Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so... You know, those are the types of things. So what those are, right, from a comedy point of view, is that's a premise. Uh-huh. And so what a lot of people don't know what to do or can't think of is what should I tweet? What should I even engage with? Well, we offer premises. And hopefully they're broad enough, you know, that, you know, you can go, oh, I can contribute to that. And then part of the entire process is as you contribute, other people share yours, you share theirs, and you're kind of doing it at the same time. And when you're using a hashtag, the benefit of using a hashtag is if you only have a thousand followers and I have 40,000 followers, when you click on the hashtag, it equalizes us and everyone's going to come up that use that hashtag. Mm. So that's how I can find you, Scott Curtis. That's how you can find me, Jeff Dwoskin, when we're not actually following each other. But then we're like, oh, Scott's funny. Oh, Jeff's funny. We follow each other, Mm -hmm. right? We like each other's tweets. We share each other's tweets. We kind of now get to know each other a little bit. Maybe we comment, oh, that was, you know, whatever. And so, you know, that's kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. And so... And it doesn't happen in one day and it doesn't happen in a week. I've been doing it for over five years. You know, if you go back to my tweets from 2013, I guess more than five years. (laughs) If you go back to those, they don't have any likes or retweets. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Right. (laughs) You know, when I was like putting out some really fun stuff, nobody was there. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, but eventually somebody caught on and then saw the stuff that I did, which is the same philosophy to me with my podcast. You know, I don't have as much, as many listeners as I'd like. I don't think any of us would ever feel we do, but I feel like if I'm putting together a great collection of things and I see this, people all of a sudden, you know, I'll see what one will tick up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will tick up. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, maybe somebody just discovered it. And then when they go from podcast, you know, episode to episode, they're like, Oh, this is good. And mm-hmm. then hopefully they'll stick around. Right. Right. That's, that's sort of what I'm, I'm trying to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, talk to different people, kind of balance it off, talk to comedians, talk to legends like Carl Gottlieb, talk to, you know, Bob Zaney's, you know, Aaron Cummings, actress, you know, that kind of thing. Suze Lanier, Kelly Maroney, you know, they all have these interesting stories and they've all been part of something that we grew up with. Right. You know, so, yeah. you know, to me, like, it's a lot of fun to be able to, to talk to them and bring that around. Mm-hmm. So what I did find is like with social media, and I've, I've actually asked a lot of people about this, other podcasters, is the worst audience to try and get to listen to your podcast seems to be your friends and family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, my son has never listened to one. Yeah. And I, I joke, I think my wife's, I got 27 episodes right now. I think my wife's listened to two. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, but I know like, you know, it's so it, it's hard. But then somebody will listen and then they'll, they'll stick with it. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
I think podcasting is still in its infancy, even though some people, you know, I've been doing it for seven years or whatever. It's like, I still think it's, you know, it's getting more mainstream now that iHeartRadio and Amazon Music and everyone's embracing it. So, but I don't think it's easier for people to, when there's 15 places to listen, I think somehow like we've tricked ourselves to think that's a good thing. And I don't yeah. think it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's because people get kind of uh deer eyed in the headlights, you know, it's like, right. it's like, I don't know where to go. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know. What, well, usually, so that's why I just say, go to Jeff is funny.com and you can listen right there. Yeah. You have to go somewhere else to subscribe, Yeah, but you can just listen from my web browser, from mm-hmm. the web browser. Yeah. And that's sometimes the easiest thing. So, you know, but that's, that's the kind of thing. So with Instagram, I've had people kind of help me. I've tried to create like a little look, you know, so if you, see the, the posts you'll see like my last mine nine posts that look way different than the one, everyone before uh, it. <laughs> and like uh, oh i might know, steal so, some of that because i need to work on my instagram well t- i'll tell you anybody who's listening like my secret to success is fiverr f-i-v-v-e-r i think i use them and for a lot of stuff fiverr's the greatest yeah. you know what i mean i went there about 25 bucks i'm like i need an instagram template <laughs> yeah you know I mean? and so you know they made me four templates you know that kind of thing uh-huh. so you know, those, those kind of things are so cheap. It's like embarrassing. It's, yeah. it's hard because if you actually do that for a living, it's like, I know it's not, it's not, it's not good, but do like, you tip um, them? I, I, sometimes I, I tip them yeah, double, yeah, I double yeah, what yeah. I paid for it. Yeah, it depends what I paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you can almost do anything on, on, on Fiverr. I had to make a flyer once for something. I like paid a guy 25 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you get your time back and that's worth way more than 25. Well, even if you just use it and like, you know, and then tweak it from there or something like that, it's yeah. like, it's so worth it. Yeah. It's, a, it's that, it's that head start you need a lot of the times. So, so thinking about, I wanted to um, go back to Twitter and think about strategy because I've, I've, I'm right about a thousand followers. I'm maybe eight something or nine something. And my, uh, I did start, trying the reposting and stuff like that but it feels like okay if i were to repost something that you posted or something that uh, or retweet whatever um if i were to do that for like you or jim gaffigan or nate bergazzi or something like that they they don't even know um so should i be looking for people who are more on my level or yeah. just above my level to to um, be that retweet guy for. Um, why am I blanking his name? Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, right. So I tweeted at him once, mm-hmm. and he just liked it. He uh-huh. liked the tweet, and I think I got over thirteen hundred likes because he liked it. Wow. Yeah. So it doesn't hurt, but that shouldn't be your core strategy. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? It didn't work the next time I, I tagged him. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. If you go to Twitter and you click on um, explore, then there's a trending area and there's two types of trends. So when you're looking at trends on Twitter, a lot of times it defaults to trends for you, which means it's trends within that 800 person group of yours. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not what you want. You want to change it to United States or if you're in Canada, Canada, mm. or whatever. I actually have different browsers with different countries. Oh. Uh, okay. So I have can well, mostly Canada and US because they're close and usually one follows the other. And so what you could do is, so from a comedian point of view, uh, our, our 
good friend Scott Bayo did some Trumpy thing today. So I, he, here's the beauty of that comment. It's evergreen because he does it so often. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you don't have to worry about, oh, no, that dates the podcast. Nope. And, um, <laughs> as long as he's alive. <laughs> but here's the thing. So you don't you don't have to tweet with hashtags to go viral. Okay. Uh-huh. So if like, so Scott Bayo, the words Scott Bayo were trending. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was like a top 10 trend in the U S. So if you see something's a top 10 trend in the U S and the word is Scott Bayo, write a joke. It doesn't even have to be, it'll sound good if you can tap into what actually is happening, mm-hmm. but you could also just write a joke about Scott Bayo. Make sure you spell it the same way it's trending. And now you've used the words that are trending and it'll come up with the, that trend. So when people search for that trend, it'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, not that, you know, I do this when people die that I do care about, you know, I don't mm-hmm. do it for everyone, but like when you do uh, RIP, you know, whoever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's the same idea. And then, and it doesn't have to be the hashtag. You can, it can be their name that they're dying or uh, that, you know, that's trending, that kind of thing. Um, but that's a good place to find. I used to do, I do that all the time. Like chachis is also, um, trending. So you can work out like some kind of joke with those words. Mm. I'm not saying this is your hundred percent strategy. This is your right. t- 10, 15% strategy, but, um, but you know, you can do that. You know, mm. I'm telling you with hashtag roundup, if you have the time to put in, that's a good, it's a great community to get involved with. Mm. You know, I've been doing that for five years. My wife, who's not even a comedian, has over 10,000 followers. Now. Wow. You know, there's some people in there that have 20, 30, 40,000 followers. So mm. you can really kind of pick it up. But what people are talking about, if you want to get seen, especially as a, as a comedian, talk about what people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's and that can be part of your thing. You can also just drop your jokes, you know what I mean? But, um, but you do both. You do everything. And it's like, mm. and then when you write something, and you're like, oh, no one retweeted that. Well, here's the thing. Don't make fun of Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one's no one's going to retweet that. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, it, yeah, just like be smart about what you're doing. I uh-huh. mean, you got to be, you got to be, it's not about, you know, some people are like, I'm cutting edge. I'm like, mm, okay, great. They'll read it and then they'll make an opinion of you. They'll move on. You don't know. But no one's going to retweet that. And uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, when you make fun of certain things, it's just not going to get you anywhere because you want to be broad. You want to be true to yourself and your voice, but you also want to be not a, not an ass mm-hmm. to be quite honest. And so, you know, just be careful what you're kind of doing, you know, don't, it's not, you know, people, I think sometimes think it's Twitter and it's like, no, it's, it's real life. I mean, people are going to find these tweets. Mm-hmm. You see the cancel culture. Now they're going back years yeah. finding stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, you know, so don't, you know, don't tweet things that you can't literally stand behind, you, uh-huh. know, you know, but, but don't also go complain if no one's sharing it. If you want to do it, do it, but just don't complain. If like, why didn't anyone, this is gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. If, if you get tons of retweets and tons of retweets and tons of retweets and something doesn't get tons of retweets, but it's gold. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that are on stage and have those ears. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, you gotta like think like, all right, you know what, here's an idea. Maybe it's not gold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't blame the audience. Just a thought, just a thought, but maybe maybe go. I, I talked to a lot of people, um, who use a lot of forms of social media. So you got the Twitter, the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, just all the myriad of things. And some of them say, well, okay, Instagram works for me. 
So I'm just going to do Instagram and I'm going to throw everything else away. I'm just, I'll keep my account, but I'm not going to do anything there. Is that a good strategy or a bad strategy? Again, I think, you know, my, my friend Nate, his, he creatively writes on Instagram and then it blows up on, I'm sorry, creatively writes on Twitter and then it blows up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to win, win at every platform. I still Mm -hmm. do Instagram, even though I'm not winning on that, like I do on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think they're also very different mediums. You know what I mean? Like Twitter, Instagram is great and it happens to work for him. But it's not a medium where you just post words. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a, it's a visual medium, you know? So if you're going to do the videos or now they have like the thing like TikTok on Instagram, the reels, you know, you can do that, you know? But I think there's kind of a test for anything. Twitter is great just to test out and see if you can get a reaction on some things that you could then build up into other ideas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, Twitter is what's happening now. Right. You know what I mean? Here's the other thing with Twitter is... Twitter is where you can get noticed by BuzzFeed or other things, right? Mm. I have a page on my website that I have to finish because I didn't finish porting it over. But, I mean, I've had tweets in almost every single major publication, read on the news, read on... Because when you talk about something that's happening, they go to Twitter to fill content. People don't write articles on, oh, here's 10 posts on... Uh, what people are talking about on National Pizza Day from Instagram. It's just, they don't do that. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's always Twitter. Yeah. So as a comic, yeah, I think you need to be on Twitter. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's just, I, I just think you do. It's just, you know, there's no, there's no downside to it mm-hmm. you know, other than the same kind of work. And it's less work because there's, there's no images. You don't have to do images. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just your words, yeah. you know, so. So. Let's pretend like, uh, so I've got this podcast and everything I do centers around the podcast. And if you look at my logo, um, I am nowhere to be found as far as a logo. So I'm, I'm not personally branding anything. I change it to behind the bits with Scott Curtis because somebody recommended that I do that. But I did that purposefully because I did not want it to be about me, um, so I want it to be about my guests. So let's say I want to be a successful comedian, which I, that's not even that's not even the cards. But let's let's say that I wanted to do that. Should I create separate accounts t- in order to achieve that, or can you do everything from one account? You can. That's a great question. You can do everything from one account. Um, I have a separate account, you know, for the Jeff Duoskin show. So they can be just that stuff because mm-hmm. it would get lost on my personal account. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I might be political on my personal account. Maybe I don't want that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it depends how intermingled your voice is and what you're trying to do or say. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. But also keep in mind, you may not always do the podcast or you may change the podcast. So it doesn't hurt to have, um, you know, sometimes people may not want to connect with a business, you know, calling a podcast a business for a second. But like, uh, you know, so it doesn't hurt to have Scott Curtis have his own account so that people know, you know, what it is. Mm. I do do have my own account. I don't know if I remember the password or anything, but I I think I do (laughs) have my own account. I think you can do password recovery. Yeah. (laughs) 
I named my show the Jeff Jawaskin Show because I want to be able to know it was my show. Right, and you're well, you're you're somebody who is more of you're more of a brand yourself, just because of the things you've created and the. I mean, just your Twitter followers alone. You're a brand yourself. I am not. So I wanted to make the the fact that this is a serious talk about stand-up comedy the brand because I'm obviously not going to sell it. I mean, someday. Who knows? Someday. Well, you did win that award. Yeah, so, I know. Okay. Yeah, I got a JPEG. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I, I, I really do think about that because the, the only, I, I've, I've never felt that I've been super successful at any social media, um, but I've um, dabbled in it and I've never put a concerted effort into any one. And so I, I just, I, I think after talking to you, I think I'm going to try Twitter and see what I can do with that. Yeah, it, it just only because people kind of might look for you there also. I know mm. you have a Twitter account because you followed me today. But like, um, mm. or at least the bit, the podcast does. Yeah. The, um, yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't hurt. It legitimizes it yeah. a little bit too, right? Yeah. So it's 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 a thing. Here's mm. its home, <laughs> you know. You know, that's why I have, a, you know, I have a website for it too. Not everyone has a website for it. But I converted my old comedy website. That's why jeffisfunny.com takes you to that site that used uh-huh. to be my comedy site you know right. when i was doing stand-up non-stop but you know once i kind of this became who i was i you know i just kind of converted that over so made it more about the show mm-hmm. than than that so you know plus you can you know we didn't talk about search engine optimization you know and getting it out there yeah. that way too which is you know why one of the reasons i kind of created the website so yeah it doesn't do a lot but maybe one day yeah yeah <laughs> seo backlinks all that stuff it's fun yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> hashtags it's just nuts it's just amazing all the stuff you have to do um so thinking about where you're going obviously comedy is not a number one for you but um you've learned a lot from it what would you say is the best advice you got from a stand-up comedian? Oh, the best advice? Yeah. Um, two things. One, uh, Mary Ellen Hooper well, was a comedian that I was working with, and she kind of saw me doing my act, and she was like, Jeff, you're doing like all this father stuff and family. You're the frustrated father, and then you're doing observational jokes as well. And she's mm-hmm. like, get rid of it all. Get rid of all the observation. Just be the father. And it goes, that's just, that's who you are. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do observational. The, the issue with, um, observational too is, you know, that's where you get people fighting over. Oh, I came up with that joke. Yeah. Well, everyone saw the same stop sign and you, there's only so many directions you can go with something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when you, you know, when you create something that is from something generic, it's, you know, then it it's likely that someone else thought of it as well mm-hmm. or will think of it. Right. Or, and so, you know, when you start drawing off your own experiences, those things only happen to you, yeah. you know? And so, you know, that, that kind of makes you more unique. Um, but okay, here's, Oh, here I thought, of, I thought of one. Okay. This was a good one. So this is what changed my comedy life. Okay. I had okay. all these bits 
you know, all these like two minute bits. And, you know, the, when you're starting out, it was hard. I would, on my watch, I would, uh, you mentioned like I was, it's a corporate background. I purposely went out and bought a $10 Kmart watch yeah. and would wear that. Uh-huh. I called it my comedy watch. <laughs> I didn't want to wear my expensive watch, but like, uh, I would put the thing on my, on my, on my wrist. And I would write down the things cause I was petrified of forgetting. Right. Bits, yeah. Cause there were so many bits that you write. And somebody was talking about, um, Norm Stoltz, who's a great comedian. And he was like, he's a great storyteller. And he's like, well, you know, they, but they all started out as little bits and then he strung them together. I'm like, Oh, that's brilliant. So I'm like, I, so I took, started taking all these bits that I had that were sort of independent of each other. And I created a thread so that one could be into this. Oh, this joke about this necklace that could be a joke from uh, something I gave my wife, you know? So it's like, and then it could be, so all of a sudden, like I have this birth routine and like, so all of a sudden the birth routine became these five different routines, but now it's easy to remember because it's all one narrative. Mm. I changed some of the, the, you know, the way I would tell some of those other jokes. So it fit into the narrative, Mm. you know, 95% of it stayed the same. It's just maybe the, the, the kind of lead into it, you know, just so it was relevant. But then all of a sudden it's easy to remember a seven minute bit, (laughs) you know, because instead of seven different bits, because they all kind of go into each other, they all work together. And then when they work together, it actually is, better for the audience because they're now coming along. They don't have to keep resetting every time you start a new joke, mm-hmm. you know? So you just keep building on the same things, but you know, they're all individual things, but you're just, it's just how you're packaging and selling it. Right. And then the other thing that I, I was told, which was by Jim Wiggins, who uh, Phil's Diller told him this. So indirectly, this yeah. is from Phyllis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he said, he saw me, he was working with me and he was like, I would look above the audience and cause it was one way to kind of deal with being on stage and being in front of so many people. Mm-hmm. I would look above them. He's like, I noticed you look above the audience, Jeff. And he's like, uh, I'm like, yeah. He's like, can't do that. You gotta look him in the eye. You gotta look him right in the eye. And he goes and you'll get the laugh. You're going to mm-hmm. get the laughs. And he's like, and, and, and even if you don't get the laugh, you'll get a laugh mm-hmm. because you're looking at him in the eye. You're creating that connection with mm-hmm. him. And then I started doing that and it was almost like magic. It was like, you look at someone, especially like when you get fixated with the person who isn't laughing, you know, and any comic knows what I'm talking about there, mm-hmm. right? The one guy. And it's like, if you look at them, it would become like a video game in my head where I'd look at them in the eyes and I'd tell the joke right to them. And it works still because the audience feels you're looking at them because you're, you're, you're looking at right. one person, you're connecting through one person and then they would laugh or smile. And I would, in my head, I would picture like a little ding, yeah. ten, like a little Mario <laughs> yeah. coin. You got a off. coin. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I was like, all right, I got that one. And then once you get them once you want them over and then you just keep going. And so, and you know, that would, that would be the kind of thing that I would do. And that, that kind of, I realized losing the fear of looking at them in their face is like what kind of really transformed and made me unstoppable on stage. It was like, I was like, when you, once you completely lose the fear, it's yeah. like, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Which kind of, kind of goes back to like the other thing in terms of you asked me earlier during the live one about some of the things that helps during business. And one of the main things is presenting mm, yeah. is, is being able to either present, 
directly to an audience or uh, you know someone you're pitching a deck to or in front of an entire group. Because mm-hmm. like when I get up at a company and a, and talk to an entire group, you know they they'd always say you know if someone was presenting they'd always be like don't don't put me after Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. Uh, so you're the headliner in all the presentations. Well, you know it's just because. They're scared. They've yeah. never done it before. I'm walking out there. I don't need a script. I didn't need the practice. I didn't need to do anything that normal people would because right. I'm coming from from a different place. Yeah. So, and you know, and then you just you do your thing, and it's like the conf, you know, confidence sells. That's that's the other thing, right? Mm. Comedy is 95 percent confidence. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Um, yeah, so I think it helps in, in lots of lots of ways. Yeah, so. I got to say, when you talked about the fact that you went from the observational mixed with the family guy stuff, uh, I'm in a totally conflicted situation myself on that because I've got a ton of observational stuff about boomers and boomers using social media and stuff like that, and it kills and but i've got all my family stuff too and they're two separate things and they don't necessarily go together and so, so you make the boomer your grandpa yeah yeah right so you yeah. just you take the you change that you slightly change the narrative of the joke uh-huh and you make and then it makes it even more personal right and so you could still do the joke you just change the characters in the joke yeah to fit the larger narrative of who you are is, is this a family person? Right. Yeah. Now, now you're creating something that they can relate to. Yeah. And it's make it your mother-in-law and it'll be gold. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that, that, that's, that that's what sense. I was talking about yeah. earlier when you started, you start tweaking things and it's like, just change the frame of the joke. It's just, yeah. you don't, you don't have to like, you don't have to get stuck on how you wrote, wrote it originally. Just, you know, as you adapt, you can adapt the, you know, with the stuff that's adaptable, you can adapt mm. to to how you want it, to the new you on stage. Mm. So. Isn't it funny, even though you're not thinking about comedy, you still got all that in your head and you can talk about it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it never, never goes away. No. <laughs> the greatest skill that a comedian has is to be able to having a full conversation and being think and have a full conversation with yourself in the back of your head yep. while you're engaged or presenting or doing something. Yep. Yep. You can actually start thinking, all right, what comes next? Wait, what yeah. comes next? <laughs> yep. That's true multitasking. That's it. That's yeah. the only way to do it. That's great. Um, so I, I really appreciate you talking to me today. This has been very enlightening, and I'm going to hit my Twitter hard uh, just based on what you said. So watch me. You know, retweet me. <laughs> <laughs> You can no. send me a DM. I, I yeah. can see it. Because I, 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 I don't look at that feed very often. Just uh-huh. There's so much in there. But if you, if you shoot me something, I'll, I'll retweet it. Oh, that's nice. Or tell um, you why I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just one more time, I want to make sure people know where to find you. Can you um, go over your socials and your website again? Sure, sure. Uh, the show can be found pretty much, you know, Apple, Amazon Music, you know, uh, Spotify, anywhere those can be found. Um, and, and, and so, you know, if you want to go there, subscribe, that'd be great. Uh, Jeff Dwoskin show.com. I'm sure Scott will put all this in the, in the notes too, but like Jeff Dwoskin show.com yeah. or Jeff is funny.com. That's the website. Um, at Jeff Dwoskin show on Twitter and Instagram. 
is how you can find the show. And I'm at Big Macher, which is in the, um, also on Instagram and Twitter, B I G M A C H E R. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, this was, this was a lot of fun. If, if you got a second, I'll tell you my Bob Zaney story because it's podcast related. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So I, before I did this podcast, I did a local podcast for almost six years. It was called Michiana people. And I talked to people from all over the um, Michiana area, but Bob was going to perform at uh, the local comedy club. And I'm a huge fan. I've been seeing him since the eighties and probably seven, eight times. And, um, absolutely love him. So I set up the interview. I, uh, hit him up on Facebook. He said, yeah, I'll do an interview. And I hit him up on Facebook and that's, he was living in California at the time. And for some reason I had in my head that California was two hours behind us instead of one hour. So he's got my number. He calls me. He says, Hey, are we going to do this interview? I was an hour late. Are we going to do this interview? And I'm like, Oh no. So I got it set up real quick and we did the interview and I had a totally different setup. I was audio only and all that, but we did the interview. And then, uh, when I started this podcast, I hit him up and he was one of my earlier interviews and he's in Vegas now. And I made the same stupid mistake. I've been on time for every single interview I've done, except for that one. I made an hour mistake. He calls me and he says, Hey, are we going to do this? interview?" (laughs) I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let me get set up. So one of the guys I like the most, one of my favorite comedians is the one I screwed over twice on an interview, (laughs) but he was still nice enough to do it. I used to have these, uh, black shoes and then, deep burgundy shoes uh-huh. and in the dark which is why most superheroes wear have dark colors is in the dark everything looks yeah dark right so i would get ready for work and you know those shoes look the same in in the in the dark right so i one time i came to work and i wore one black and one burgundy shoe uh-huh. and then i had this interview with this guy ron and and then the only other other time I ever did it was months later. Also had a meeting with the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just funny. Uh, I'll have to tweet. The, I, I'll let you retweet one uh, real quick. I'll have to tweet the picture I have in my office when I was wearing a black and a brown shoe. It was, it was very similar. So except for brown is not deep burgundy. And I just wasn't even looking. I just put them on. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was left and right and I went to work. <laughs> well, this has been great. I learned a lot from you and uh, I, I hope you don't mind that I keyed on the social media stuff more than anything, but I think that's a real good thing that comics can put in their toolkit. No, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Scott. <laughs>